Good Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Season Rewind Podcast as we continue to take a look back at the 2019 season. Today, we're looking at the Tennessee-Kentucky game. What an interesting football game this was. Jerry Garantano coming off the bench and saving the day for Tennessee after the Volunteers in a terrible, really, first half of football. Uh, Kentucky comes out, goes 10 minutes on the opening drive for a score. In rewatching this game, guys, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why Kentucky ever thought about throwing the football. I just, I mean, I think Kentucky had a better chance of winning this game. Look, they almost won it anyway, but Kentucky had a better chance of winning this game if they never threw the football. Go for it on every fourth and short and just don't throw. Yeah, the shot play that Eddie Grand calls on that one fourth down was a was a really bizarre call. Um, to me, to me, this is the most memorable game of last season. Um, just because of the, the culmination of the, the, the opening drive where it felt like Tennessee just had, you know, we're just kind of getting, they were just getting gouged. And, and, you know, then they, the block, the block punt, they're down 13, nothing because Darryl, or Darryl Middleton, you know, uh, knocks down the extra point. And then it was just kind of like the grit that they showed. And, and, you know, afterwards, Jeremy couldn't stop using the word resiliency because the team really did fight back and it, you know, ended with with kind of the storied goal line stand. So when I think about last season, I, I think this game stands out the most to me because of who was involved in in making this comeback happen. Well, it just felt like the, the Georgia Tech game in a lot of ways where they just took the ball out of Tennessee's hands. Tennessee's possessions were few and far between. And, you know, it, it was – I, I look back at a key play in the game for me was – Third quarter, opening drive, Tennessee goes down. They, they hit the touchdown to, uh, to DWA. And, it, you know, because Pope is covered up, they have to go back. Well, you know, you go back two or three weeks before that, it was Tim Jordan on that swing pass that was able to pick up the first down late in the, or late in the game to extend. He lays a great block on a scramble play by Jarrett to pick up the first down to extend that drive, which goes ahead and leads to the Callaway touchdown. I thought that was massive because if Tennessee has to kick a field goal there or, or turns it over on downs, who knows how this game plays out. I mean, so you don't think about it at the time, but when you go back and watch AP? it again. Jared Scramble? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was huge. I'll tell you, another one that stood out to me was uh, – I mean, I, and I thought Nigel played a great game in this one. And this was kind of a small play. But in the third quarter, um, Kentucky runs that little reverse – and uh, Nigel makes a great play. And this is before Eddie Grant's questionable deep shot on fourth and three. Jesse, this is the play that set that up. Yep. Nigel runs through, you know, I guess it was Lynn Bowden on, on that block and makes a fantastic play when he's the only guy out there uh, to, to, to force fourth and three. And on rewatch, I mean, that's one of the, kind, of, kind of one of those small plays that stood out. And, I mean, in a game that was decided by a few points, that, that was huge. I mean, I mean, well, the, it should have been a first down if Nigel doesn't make that play, but even if they, even if they just get a couple yards, it's fourth and one. The, the, the play that Austin alluded to, too, that what stands out about that was that Jarrett was decisive. He realized immediately that Kentucky was in this bail defense, you know, covered quarters bail, covered three bail, whatever, and he was like, I got all this room to operate, and he made it happen. Tim Jordan had several good blocks. He had a nice block on the final play of the game when Tennessee got the first down on – on the little uh, bootleg. Um, but 
the kind of the overall takeaway for me, I, I do think, is just kind of the grit that Tennessee showed. Now, they were fortunate in some respects. They laid the ball on the ground, I think, four times in this game, only lost one. Uh, but to bow up defensively, to have, again, all these cast-offs, we've joked about it, you know, the Rob's, Butch Jones orphans, I mean, they all showed up in this game, and they all contributed in some way um, – for Tennessee to win, Tennessee doesn't win this game if, if Mark West Callaway doesn't play 500, you know, and come down with some just ridiculous catches. Uh, Jawan made plays. Obviously, Warrior was fantastic. But even, like, lesser you – know, it was Bumpfist had some plays. Blakely, you know, was there. Jaquan Blakely was there on the, on the final – you know, Huge. one of the final stops. So, just Matthew for – Matthew Butler. Yeah, Matthew Butler. For so many, quote-unquote, cast-offs to kind of contribute in such a big win – that's why that's why this game just stands out above the rest to me from last season. Well, and I think the other thing too, Austin, that jumps out to me is, I mean, I remember at the half Jeremy Pruitt doing the interview with the Vol Network, and he went pretty much scorched earth on Brian Maurer at the half. I mean, he he declared, you know, we're changing quarterbacks. You know, we got to have somebody who who wants to play, who's you know going to make the plays you're supposed to play. They go to Jared, and it was a different. It was a different mindset from Jim Chaney, Austin, when they put Jared in the game. It was cut it loose and go. It was not – I mean, they were down. They had to go score anyway. But it was empty backfield. It was, hey, we're going to put it on Jared's shoulders to go make plays. When in other games when he'd come in in relief, it felt like, Austin, they were sort of managing the game with him. They basically said at this point, go win us the football game. And he did. That's the best half. I mean – the next week at Missouri, we all know he puts up huge numbers. But for what he did in that half cold coming off the bench at Kentucky, I think that's the best he played from a decisiveness and just going and making plays. Well, I think he had to let him cut it loose because if had they come in with a similar type conservative uh, play calling in the second half, I don't think Tennessee wins the game. I think, you know, and the fact that Jarrett come out and he hit his first few and, and, and kind of gotten a little bit of a rhythm and, the you know, uh, I think just think when you couple it all together, um, you know, I thought when he stepped up before he throws the touchdown pass to Palmer, you know, he steps up and delivers that ball and Palmer's knees down. But that was a play where he stepped up and, as Jesse said, was decisive. You know, clearly stepped up, threw a strike, you know. And of course, they scored, you know, a play later. But, I mean, you know, I thought Jarrett's overall, um, you know, second half performance you're right was probably as good as he had all season when you look at the 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 scope of the game I mean if Tennessee loses this game that means they have no wiggle room the final two and who knows what happens but they won so then they had a little bit of wiggle room and they went out and won the last two and of course beat Indiana in the bowl game so um, I, you know this game was big for Tennessee just to get over the hump not that they need to get over the hump over Kentucky but to get over the hump and trying to get back to a bowl game because when you won this when you felt like okay they can win one of their final two they can beat Vanderbilt, and 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 they're playing with house money at Missouri. So um, the the second half was massive for Jarrett, and I think massive for his confidence. Even though you know he did you know regress at points like against Indiana, where he you know kind of went into a little bit of a funk. Well, and, and I thought Jesse that the the play Austin's referencing where um, he throws it to Palmer and Palmer's knees down was as good of a ball was as good of a football play as he made all season long. I, I really did. I mean, because he felt the he felt the pressure. He stepped up, eyes were downfield, he didn't start looking for ghosts, and he made, a, he made a decisive, strong play on the run. I, I mean, I think when you look at it, you go, where's that guy all the time? Because that was as good of a football play as he made. 
Yeah, and, and Jordan Rogers on the on the broadcast doesn't say it about that particular play, but when he when Jarrett threw that kind of uh, one of those big big plays to Callaway, and he was you know complimenting complimenting Jarrett on ball placement, you know he made uh, the assertion that you know he'll make great throws like this, and then he'll make throws that make you pull your hair out, and, and plays of what are you doing? And the play to Palmer was a fantastic example of that because he did climb the pocket immediately, deliver a strike, and then came back with another. Fade, I'll be curious again, spinning this forward. You know, Jarrett, this was one of the few games that Jarrett showed real mobility all season. Um, seemed to kind of have his legs underneath him. You know, now that he's – I know he's, he's bigger, 235 allegedly now. You know, how, how does how does that kind of change what, what, what some of the stuff he does in the game? Um, but also, you know, th- this game was probably one of the better games, especially in the second half that Tennessee had from a pass protection standpoint. Wanya Morris, we kind of, you know, dinged him several weeks now. He was good in this game. Trey Smith and those guys, they gave them good protection. And Karon Calvert comes in at right tackle and doesn't miss a beat. You know, this is when he kind of starts to assert himself at, the, in, in, uh, at that spot and really take the lion's share of reps from Darnell, who's kind of dinged up at this point. So. Tennessee can pass protect like that. One would surmise that they'll continue to kind of take a bunch of shots, no matter who's going to be a wide receiver this next season. And Rob, I think when you look at this too, you have a um, you have a team and and a defense that we've been watching come together for the last two or three weeks in doing this rewind. The, the, the halftime adjustments they made going into the second half and what they got done in the second half tells you, to me, tells you the understanding that this team has to be able to adjust a plan on the fly and, and make the adjustments that they need to make moving forward. To, to me, the second half of this, as good as Jared was, shows continued growth on the evolution of Derek Ansley and Jeremy Pruitt's defense because of their ability to make adjustments that are effective and, and to go be productive that way. Yeah, maybe showed up as much in, in this game as, as any all season long. I mean – it was I – mean, they were getting gashed. I mean, you, you already referenced that first drive. with 17 plays, almost 10 minutes of the, of the, of the first quarter. And then Tennessee gift-wrapped gift, gift that second touchdown with a block punt. But um, you just felt the momentum shift. I mean, the second half started exactly like you wanted it to. Jarrett goes down, leads them – you know, you make a quarterback change, boom, you get exactly what you want out of it. Long touchdown drive, hits, hits the big, you know, kind of jump 50-50 ball to Cap Callaway. Then you come out, sack, three and out on, on the first series. Um, Kentucky did put a little bit of a drive together the second time they had the ball, but Tennessee eventually, you know, get, gets them off the field. And then um, Jared comes back again, 14-0. I mean, this, it was – I mean, and the announcers talked about it, but you could really – you could just feel it. it. It clicked, and, you know, Tennessee goes from just kind of grasping at straws in the first half to where – it's 17-13 going into the fourth quarter. I mean, the third quarter, just if Jeremy Pitt had went in and written a script at halftime, that's how he wanted to have it unfold. That's how it went. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, you have to give a ton of credit. Because, you know, some people will say halftime adjustments are overrated, Upper. Some coaches will feel that way. But <laughs> I, I thought you really saw some guys, you know, make some changes and, and, and see that show up on the field in Lexington. And as you spin it forward, Austin, from a, I don't want to be a negative side, but you do, you do understand and you do realize in this game how difficult or the importance of Tennessee finding some answers at safety because of how well Nigel played. 
what Daniel Petuli does for Tennessee at linebacker. These are the questions we've been talking about. But as this team has won down the stretch, they, they win with some of these seniors that they're going to have to replace. No doubt. And you know, we were asked uh, in the chat Monday night, you know, the, the, you know, the weakest part of this football team. And, you know, offensively, I think it's tied in. Defensively, I think it's safety. You know, just because, not, not because, you know, they don't have talent at the positions. I don't know how much talent they have at tight end, but they, they have some talent at safety. They just don't have a lot of depth at safety. And so, like, you know, if you have a key injury there, like, where would that put you? And so, and you know, I, I think – What's that? McCullough got pulled in this game. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, he's, you know, and he was a freshman, and he's going to yeah. have those growing pains. You know, for every, you know, game where he played really well, you're going to have that kind of bump in the road. So, um, you know, for me, I, I look at it, you know, in, in, in Brent's eyes the, you know, to the point where, you know, Tennessee is going to have to find an answer for, you know, Daryl Taylor, who, who's going to be, you know, opposite Kayvon Bennett. Is it one of these freshmen that step up and make some plays? Somebody else, does somebody else emerge? You know, is it as simple as Quavaris Crouch or Jeremy Banks sliding over to the inside to help Henry with, uh, you know, in replacing Daniel Batuli? You know, uh, what, what do they do at safety? I, I think McCullough's your steady, your steady Eddie safe bet there. But you know, can Trayvon Flowers, as Jesse has alluded to for weeks now, become that consistent player that Jeremy and them thought he could be when he came out of Tucker High School just a couple of years ago? So. Um, you know, and of course, that's not even touching the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, there's some key guys that they're going to have to replace, but Tennessee does have depth on the defensive line. I think that gives them at least a, a fighting chance to kind of make up for it elsewhere. Yeah, I just think that it's a, a situation where, and it's not a knock. I mean, this happens everywhere <laughs> around the country. I mean, Clemson a year ago had to replace three first round defensive linemen. I mean, it's part of the process. I just think upon rewatching, particularly in this game, um, and I know this game was a different style of game, but I just look and, and see, you know, the effectiveness of Batuli and how well Nigel Warrior was in this game. You know, it, it's just, it's, you know, it's the downside to not having spring practice, but maybe you get some luxury in having the six-week, you know, warm-up to the season, the longer training camp, so you can do more stuff mentally. It's just when it clicked for Nigel, I, I thought this defense – Jesse took a took another another rung up the ladder. They took another step up the ladder when things clicked for him, and it had been clicking for a couple of weeks. But it was really good in this game, and really good the rest of the way of the season for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, much like we use the word decisive uh, with Jarrett, it, it the game seemed to finally slow down for Nigel, where he could read and react, and he knew what was coming. Rob talked about the reverse. He's in the right spot immediately, sheds the, a poor block, makes a play. He, you know, he was always around the football. You know, Tennessee's defense, you, you can rewatch that, the last two plays of the – or last two defensive plays of the game. Everybody knows exactly what they're doing and, and is, you know, has, has their keys on, and boom, they go make a play. And, and, and that's the encouraging thing, I think you would say, in terms of the growth and development of learning this defense. Um, in, in year two under under Ansley, the question is who's going to step up, you know, to, to make 16 tackles like Daniel Batuli and, and, you know, to kind of be that eraser at times that Nigel was late in the season. I, you know, this is, a, you know, talk about out, I think outside linebacker again is going to be a huge question mark about who emerges there. Roman Harrison doesn't play a snap in this game. You know, even though Tennessee plays a kajillion snaps defensively because they have all the three and outs in the first half. Um, you know, is he a guy that 
can he can he take advantage of maybe some extra week of, weeks of tutelage, you know, here once players get back on campus? Because they're going to they're gonna have to find somebody there. You, you, you know, they're not going to survive with uh, just Kayvon Bennett coming after the quarterback. Uh, you're absolutely right. Somebody's got to step up there, but that's part of the process. Everybody's got to step up. Remember, this is an easy defense to learn, and everybody knew Kentucky was going to run one or two plays at the end. Uh, so you, you knew what was happening. That's the, that was the Jeremy Pruitt. I'm not going to give any credit really to anything uh, other than he was complimentary. I mean, he was complimentary of his team for not quitting. He was complimentary of Jared uh, post game as well. But I always get tickled that it's an easy defense, and um, everybody knew they were going to run option down at the goal line. So that was an easy play call, uh, and and everybody was supposed to be on their assignments there. But but this game in general, I'm, I'm with Jesse Rob. I think this game is is one of the landmark games of the season. It has the big play at the end, the stand that leaves an impression. But this is a team that couldn't find a way to close out a deal against BYU, against Georgia State, you know, early in the year. And they find a way to rally in this game on the road in a cold, ugly environment. Um, when they got really manhandled in the first half, they found a way, uh, which I think is why Jeremy Pruitt always liked this team a year ago. I couldn't agree more, man. I thought, you know, this was – you know, to me, maybe it was the best example of it, but I, I just thought this this is just one of those illustrations of you saw a team figuring out how to win. You saw it against Mississippi State um, in, in the fourth quarter where they you know, ran the ball off the goal line, killed the clock, scored that game-winning touchdown. You saw it a week later at Missouri in the fourth quarter when they you know came up defensively with a stop they had to have at the end. And, I mean, I just – I'm being repetitive, but I just thought it was just a snapshot of, 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 a, of a team figuring it out. And, and, you're, and you're exactly right. It's, it stands in just complete stark contrast to what we saw in September, you know, early in the year against Georgia State, against BYU, which was a team that didn't know how to win. And, I mean, I, I just think this is a great example, a rep, representative of how they turned things around and reflects the buy-in that this team had, that they started believing in their coach. They started figuring things out. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a game that they would not have won in September. Not, not at all. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And next week we'll take a look at the Missouri Tigers, Tennessee's offensive explosion game. We'll talk about that coming up next week. But, hey, I want to remind you about our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Do what Rusty and Helen and Sam and other people have done if you have an issue with your air conditioning unit, your HVAC unit, you, you need to give uh, th those guys at Blue Water Climate Control a call. But Rusty says that they found my problem after three companies couldn't. They came in, fixed it without any issues in a hurry. So if you're in need of having your system analyzed, if you have a problem, they're going to send out a trained technician, not a sales guy, to look at it. So call Jeremy and his crew. They're going to send somebody out who will give you all the options that you need to have to make a decision regarding your unit, whether it's repairing the system, replacing the system, whatever you need to do, they're going to be able to come out and lay out a plan for you. So give them a call today at 865-299-2290, or you can visit them at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to make an appointment. Give them a call today. Tell them uh, that you heard about them at VolQuest.com. And remember, Blue Water is an authorized dealer for American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. For Austin Price, Jesse Simonton, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us on this Rewind. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.